0: This is BetMGM MGM tonight. tonight. Uh, Join us for live sweats. Uh! Go
1: 80, State. 70 that was a big balls three. Three you minutes balls ago. Big big so balls three. Instant reaction.
2: This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions.
3: Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Goody can sucks. Jordan Addison ran a 5 and he's tristus height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the wizards. Yep.
1: Now, live from Washington, DC, it's Ryan Horvath, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew.
2: How about those Bucks of 3923? 30 seconds to go in the first quarter. I saw Giannis earlier making that face, that that growl that he makes, Ryan.
3: Ugh. Oh, he's ready.
0: It's okay, they'll cough it up. That's what they do.
3: They better. Took the, took the Celtics tonight. So did I. Plus five and a half. Yeah, you got a really good number. I got a two and a half. I didn't even get a good number. And I thought KP was out tonight. He's playing.
0: Not good enough, though. No, so no. Was 16, 17, 18? Mass school, 18.
3: You know what that means. I'm doubling up on, on your blazers now. One of these dogs is coming home. You realize <laughs> that that's
0: not, they're not correlated. Like no. How, how No, I know. Yeah. But this is
3: a great spot, even without like DeAndre and you know like the Thunder. I think the Thunder obviously win this game, but asking them on a back to back, they were just in Miami last night to win by thirteen. It's I badass. love
0: Chet tonight, by the way. I love Chet points. He's been awesome the last few games. No DeAndre Aton, so I like him to get twenty. By the way, I also like uh, J Dub, aka Jalen Williams, the good one. We call him the good one, the one that they took yeah. earlier. Uh, Fifteen points. SGA twenty five points. Um, that's just a little little same game parlay for me.
2: J a y Jalen. You can also do that. The J right. He's the J, J, no. He's the J A Y Jalen is the other yeah. one. So Eve and See I, even he, how you know is that the bad one
0: has the janky name. Ah okay. Took later and isn't really a five. Isn't really a four. Isn't really shouldn't really be getting minutes.
2: I wonder if one is Jay and one is Ja in practice. I don't know.
0: By the way, uh, they did pass on your team, your mis- quote-unquote mistress team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wizards did pass on Jalen Williams, J-Dub, wow. for Johnny Davis. <laughs> <Just wanted to laughs> new regime,
2: guys... Trista. New regime. Just First the Commanders, that. then the Wizards. Nick's already there. Just Everything's working out. It's all going to turn around because the Nats are going to be bad for another decade. So uh, Bob Sochi jumps on with us. He's been the voice of the Patriots for a decade and has known only one coach as most people have for 24 years as the head coach of the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, but not anymore. Uh, I, I I, could just ask a simple question here. How surreal is it that this has actually become official now that Bill Belichick is moving on?
4: Well, I think it'll be real. Uh, it will be surreal, uh, more so when we see Bill Belichick in another team's Sweatshirt, another team's hoodie or pullover <laughs> on the sideline. I think there's been a sense that this day was coming uh, for some time. The questions really uh, gave way to, I think, almost a foregone conclusion after the Patriots lost in Germany to Indianapolis in the minds of some. And uh, it's been trending this way uh, from that point on in early November uh, to today. And so I think that, you know, for me, watching it as, as I did, uh, of the mind that it was likely going to happen, though certainly understanding that anything could happen. I wouldn't describe it as surreal today, but I, I think when we see Bill coaching once again uh, in a hoodie uh, with another team's logo on it, uh, and uh, in, in that moment will really uh, hit home, uh, that surreality of it.
0: Bob Kraft's press conference today I felt was really honest, uh, really candid, obviously some stuff that he didn't want to get into, But it's been said that Bill Belichick, the GM, is what got Bill Belichick, the head coach, fired. Some of these decisions in the draft, you know, passing on A.J. Brown for a guy like Nikhil Harry, for example. There's been many of those decisions, I'm sure, as you Mm -hmm. know. Um, how How true do you think that is?
4: Well, I think personnel is the biggest issue with the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick is still a brilliant football coach. And I think he demonstrated that in in a lot of games this season that the Patriots lost that hinged on turnovers, uh, poor decisions by the quarterback in particular, but affected by a lot of the pieces around him. The lack of talent at wide receiver, uh, the lack of protection from an offensive line that really was patchwork to start. And, And when you talk about those two areas specifically, up front on the offensive line and at wide receiver, those were two areas of great concern really the last couple of years, and I think areas that had been depleted over time because of poor drafting. You alluded to uh, A.J. Brown and the Patriots, of course, taking Nikhil Harry, first round in 2019, or you can go back to just last year's draft and selecting Taequann Thornton in the second round. A speech out of Baylor with a very slight build and a lot of questions surrounding him. And he's a guy that now with two seasons under his belt has been a bust. But it's also been personnel decisions through trades and free agency, allowing Jacoby Myers a guy that you hit on as an undrafted free agent and developed into a very reliable re- receiver. Uh, the, the favorite receiver for Cam Newton and then Mac Jones over the course of his last three years as a Patriot, a, really a prototype of Patriot player, developed as an undrafted kid, comes in, works hard, you know, does everything they ask of him, but he's not rewarded with another contract. He goes out the door through free agency, and then they sign Juju Smith-Schuster. And they signed him of course coming off the knee injury from a year ago with plenty of red flags about his physical state and it turned out to be really a disastrous move for them
3: bob where do you think the best fit for bill would be right i mean because obviously he could still coach defense and Maybe him and Josh McDaniels are a package. We hear the Atlanta rumors, and they have a pretty electric offense. They just need a quarterback. You know, we hear the Washington rumors, the Chargers. I think he'd be really good, and they have Justin Herbert. They just need some help on the defensive side of the ball. What do you think best fit would be right now at his age, where he's at in this stage of his career? Well, I think
4: it really depends on whether Bill truly wants to exercise the kind of control that he's had, or if he's going to stick by the implication that some inferred from his statements on Monday in his uh, final press conference With Patriots media that he's willing to relinquish or at least discuss how he can work with uh, a group collectively in terms of decision-making personnel decisions. I think Atlanta when you look at Arthur Blank and the age of the owner and the desire to field a championship team to take a big swing and, and maybe a willingness potentially to give Bill Belichick the opportunity to pick his players ultimately. And you mentioned some of the pieces they have on offense. I think there's some pieces there defensively too. They are a quarterback away, but it's a situation where he might get what he wants. Because I, I think that you know having watched Bill and knowing his philosophy game to game, the way he morphs his team from one week to the next to suit a game plan, the kind of players he seems to like to coach, Uh, It would be very difficult I would imagine for him to coach players that he doesn't have at least a strong say maybe he doesn't have outright control over player personnel but doesn't have a strong sweat uh, say in choosing those players and it's hard for me to imagine him coaching those guys I think that you know on the surface the Chargers might make a lot of sense but I don't see it across the country. If John Spanos is still involved in football operations and personnel decisions the way he has traditionally been, uh, the, the, the names that we're seeing uh, associated with that job, I don't know that Belichick is, is, is in that category of some of those people. Uh, I think Las Vegas is one maybe to keep an eye on. Uh, that one could pop up. I wouldn't be shocked about Tennessee, frankly, uh, but I think mm-hmm. Atlanta is clearly right now the team most people are talking about.
2: Talking to Bob Sochi, BetMGM Tonight. Uh, So let's look at the future now of the Patriots. A lot of reports out there that Gerard Mayo is the next guy in line to take this head coaching job. He's kind of been looked at over the last couple of years. From the outside, we've heard at least uh, they're kind of grooming him, looking at him as a guy that could be the future head coach. Do you think that's the guy that gets the job? Is there anybody else that you think that maybe could fit
4: that position for them? Well, I think there are potential fits. I think Mike Vrabel is a guy that makes a lot of sense speaking Mm -hmm. of Tennessee. You know, as as a former Patriot, a Hall of Famer and an all-time great. And, and, you know, based on the reports out of Nashville in the last 24 hours or so, uh, the undoing for Mike and and the owner, Amy Adams Strunk, uh, may have started really with his visit to Foxborough during a bye week for the Titans this year and sitting in the owner's booth. With Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, and then being on the field and giving a, a halftime speech in which he said uh, to the fans of New England, Appreciate this because it's not like this everywhere. And, and so, you know, I think he's a guy that's got to be close to the top of the list. But I do believe Gerard Mayo is the guy who's at the top of that list. But I think for similar reasons to Mike Vrabel, Vrabel has the coaching resume. He's done it, obviously, as a head coach in the NFL with success. I mean, he's the guy who led his team into Foxborough and beat Tom Brady in his last game as a Patriot in the AFC wildcard and then got to the AFC championship round. Uh, so he's had success in the NFL. He's a guy that I think you know has what they're looking for in the traits of a head coach. But I think they're really looking to move this organization forward, and that may mean a different power structure. And I'm not sure if Mike Vrabel fits in into that mode here based on some of the things over the last couple of years that took place uh, reportedly. Uh, with him and the general manager John Robinson the disagreements as well you know the situation with Rand Carthon so maybe he wants to exercise more control with that next job he's gonna have a lot of suitors I think Gerard Mayo makes a lot of sense because not only does he have a lot of the qualities of Mike Vrabel former linebacker for the Patriots a very good player especially when uh, he he came into the league when he was healthy AP uh, rookie of the year but a leader, he was a second-year captain. He's incredibly intelligent. I mean, this is someone who can, I think, relate to the crafts on a higher intellectual level than most football coaches and, and most people in general. Uh, this is somebody who's an uh, um, an angel investor. Uh, he retired from professional football, became vice president of business development for Optum Healthcare, United Healthcare. He's very comfortable in that world, that environment. He's very forward-thinking. I think somebody who has a lot of the Belichick instilled coaching traits and philosophies related to the game, but also brings that business experience and a willingness to think outside the box and try to come up with creative solutions to solve problems in the business world. And I think would be someone amenable to working collectively within the kind of power structure they're looking to, I think, create here as they try to move the organization forward. Bill had a very small coaching staff. Uh, The Patriots don't have the, the size of an analytic department that most of the organizations today have. They've got a lot of restructuring to do, I think. And Gerard Mayo to me, is somebody who brings a lot of the consistent qualities the trust factor that the Crafts would have. Uh, Robert Kraft took him under his wing at a very early age when he came into this league uh, as an NFL player and an aspiring businessman. And so I think there is a strong relationship there, but also he can be an agent of change in moving the direction forward the way I think that it needs to be uh, you know, moved in, in that direction.
0: You mentioned changing power structure, and and Bob Kraft talked about that today as well, and the fact that he couldn't keep Belichick on in any capacity because there would have been a lot of confusion about who should I go to, is there going to be some hurt feelings, is there going to be some power struggles, Uh, and they asked him what the, I guess, organizational game plan is. Are you getting a GM first or are you getting a coach first? And he was pretty squirrely about answering that. Um, one of the GMs uh, or assistant GMs that's sort of a hot topic or a hot name right now is Adam Peters from the Niners. Do you think that would be a fit or or are there other names that are probably higher in consideration?
4: I think there's are certainly other names out there, but I think Adam Peters is one that has come up repeatedly. Uh, uh, he's another guy who's going to have a lot of suitors, it seems. Uh, but you, when you look at I think what they'd like to do, and again, this is just my intuition, my sense. I, I think there's a comfort level with Patriots guys who've been here and been part of the Patriot way, the proverbial Patriot way. That doesn't necessarily mean they're wedded to bringing in, you know, the next guy in the pipeline of Bill Belichick disciples, uh, guys who've only been around the Patriots organization, promoting from within. Uh, Elliot Wolf, for example, uh, he's a guy in player personnel uh, whose name has been mentioned as a potential candidate uh, for that general manager role. Was once a candidate to take over uh, in Green Bay and, and following his father's footsteps. Uh, so there are people in house, but I think Adam Peters is one who brings, again, those qualities of having been in the Patriots organization and understanding the culture uh, of working for the crafts, but also would ha- now have outside experience, having been elsewhere and, and a successful elsewhere at that to see how it's done. I, I think in, in the NFL today, uh, to me, it seems like there, there has to be collaboration uh, between general manager and head coach. And, but at the same time, I think the idea of having a head coach who's the personnel czar, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, I mean, Robert today seemed to, to lay out the groundwork uh, that would, uh, you know, point this team in a different direction as opposed to the way they've operated since Bill got the full control after the thir- third Super Bowl championship.
3: Uh, Bill, we only got about 60 seconds. Uh, moving away from Bill really quick, do you think there's any shot Mac Jones is behind center as the starting quarterback for the Patriots? My favorite exercise is to look at his and then Trevor Lawrence's numbers because there's not much of a drop-off actually from <laughs> Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> or do you think they move up, try to get a guy like Jaden Daniels? What do you th- What do you think that looks like next year?
4: Yeah, you know, I think that I think a lot of it depends on who is the head coach. I mean, you know, uh, and and I think that what's max value. I mean, they held him out of the last game. They made him inactive as the third quarterback. Uh, to me, that was as much about just let's protect this asset. We're not going to put him in the final game. Uh, I think Mac personally. I think Mac uh, could use a, a fresh start. Uh, it certainly yeah. did not go well here this year in, in any respect, and it was a carryover. From last season, I was asked earlier about, you know, the roots of this decision being personnel and so forth. I think also was the coaching decision last year, a big part of it, making Matt Patricia yeah. and Joe Judge, uh, you know, the offensive coordinators. And Matt Jones is somebody that could use a start, But I wouldn't rule it out because I think he does have some strong allies. For yeah. organization. Mm-hmm. And he's young and Definitely.
2: he's cheap. Right? And yeah, Bob Sochi, voice of the Patriots on a very, very busy day. Appreciate the time, Bob. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. That's BetMGM Tonight.
0: We're back with Trista, Ryan, and Nick on BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM.
2: I told you Giannis had that look in his eyes, guys. Fifty nine twenty nine bucks over the Celtics in the second quarter. He's like, at the end of the day, the Bucks will be just fine. <laughs> he does say that a lot.
3: Oh yeah, you know, I and never really noticed it until yeah. you
2: pointed it out. I yeah. guess it just kind of goes over. Like I don't listen to him talk enough. Yeah, and you obviously heard it a million
3: times. I used to hate covering the Bucks to be honest with you guys because one and like when they built the Pfizer Forum, like originally there was no seats, so you had to stand while you were covering the game. So oh, I would no. just, yeah, I was like waiting in the locker room, and then obviously there's only one guy that you need sound for. And it's Giannis. Giannis. And like Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, everybody else was like, all right, we're gonna like take a quick shower and get the hell out of here and go live our lives. Giannis would come in there. He would hold like all these children for whatever reason. Like (laughs) people would just bring them like their babies and he would like just hold them and like bless them. Bring me your babies. Then he would go take an ice bath. Then he would like discover that there's free bottles of water. So he would need to like hydrate. And then an hour and a half after the, the final buzzer, you got your Giannis sound. He he says the same stuff every single time. (laughs) At the end of the day, uh,
2: we'll be fine. He's got 14 points, six rebounds, and three assists right now. It's now 61 31, 4 16 to go in the first half.
0: Big Bobby Portis game. 16 points, nine rebounds, one steal. Nine freaking rebounds in the four minutes left in the second quarter for Bobby Portis.
2: Well, you know, you could see it in his eyes to start the game, Trista. He really was uh, locked in and ready to go for this game. Bobby Portis always
0: looks locked in. Yes,
2: he always is. Big eyes, and he's ready to roll. Rob Brown's always ready to go, too. Jumps on with us. The fan upstate, bet for the cycle of BetQL. So, the last 48 hours, we have had some of the most bomb- dropping I don't know if that's the right way to describe it because it'd be a Woj bomb. We don't have Woj bombs. The last 48 hours when it comes to coaching in the NFL and then Nick Saban on top of that in college football, I can't think of another time where we've ever had this much chaos and this many surprises with so many big names on the coaching side of things. Ryan said something interesting early in the show. He said, I'm almost more interested in all of these coaching decisions and where guys are going to go than even the games this weekend. Can you think of a time where we've had more chaos in terms
1: of just coaches and big names? Names surrounding football can we start with the fact that you were hating on my man for appreciating some free bottled water I work in radio guys <laughs> three bottles of water are a perk of the job man uh no look it's 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 wild and down here in SEC country uh it has been hilarious I love nothing more in life right now than the Bama fans that are showing up at the Nick Saban statue, because yes, they built him a statue while he was not only still alive, but still actively coaching the team and dropping flowers and chocolates at its feet as if Nick Saban was our most recently dearly departed. I think that's the funniest damn thing that's ever happened. Uh, That being said, it is wild. Uh, I loved the reports this morning that Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa and the thought that Bama wouldn't have made this move without already already knowing who their guy is. And I'll say something that I'll pose to y'all as a question. Is Alabama the most prestigious job in college coaching right now? Because I think it is, right? And so for them to move on from Nick Saban without knowing who their next guy is is kind of interesting, or I guess I should say allowing Nick Saban to move on from them. Um, You know, we're here in Clemson. We've had the Clemson panic that Dabo was gonna leave. I've got friends down in Tallahassee where I used to work. They are terrified that Mike Norvell is gonna get offered and accept the job. And that's not even talking about Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll. The South has lost its damn mind, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm here for it. It's amazing.
0: I agree. I had a little bit of a scare. I, you know, those memes where it's the guy pretending to jump off the roof of his apartment, pretending to drink the bleach. That was me uh, thinking about Dan Lanning going to Alabama, and it turns out Dan Lanning wasn't in Tuscaloosa. Dan Lanning was watching The Born Identity with his kids in Eugene, Oregon, going absolutely no place, having his phone on Do Not Disturb, put together one of the best hype videos I've ever seen that the grass is green enough in Eugene and if you're afraid that your coach is going to leave why don't you come play for us we're not I'm not going any place what does that say about Oregon as a power as a team that he believes can accomplish all of his goals uh, now that they're in the Big Ten and potentially Harbaugh goes
1: well, the, the the cynical jackass in me, Trista, says it says, Phil Knight is very, very rich. That was the first thought yeah. that I had, uh, is that Dan Lanning is about to be paid, much like me, very handsomely, uh, I, I, I'm intrigued. You're paid handsomely or you believe you're handsome? Well, listen, I was trying to make something work there, all right? Can you not make it worse? Thank you very much. I was trying to do something, all right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see what stories we get. Now, in fairness, the report that Lanning was in Tuscaloosa appears to have originated from some little CBS affiliate TV station in Oregon that basically, like, saw a thread on Reddit where some guy was guessing and they ran with that's it us. as a fact. So that's the good news. But I would also argue the fact that people believed it. It became the story. Dan Lanning's already there. And... If he's in Tuscaloosa, less than nine hours after Nick Saban retires, obviously he's the guy. So uh, there's something to that. Like I said, I, I think Alabama's an interesting job. I, I really do think it is the most prestigious job in college football. And that is because of Nick Saban. Let's be very clear. But it is what it is. And... I think Alabama has got this mentality of, we can hire whoever the hell we want. Like we can just call anybody and go, do you want to be here? And forget the fact that nobody wants to be the guy that is the guy after the guy. The mentality in Tuscaloosa is, we can just have whoever the hell we want. And that scares a lot of people. So if you're an Oregon fan, the fact that Dan Lanning not just said no, but was putting out social media videos going, yo, this is like, I'm a duck, and I'm going to stay a duck, and I want to be a duck, and this is my last first job, that's got to make you feel real warm and fuzzy because the thing that is going to plague a lot of these Pac-12 schools moving over to the Big Ten is inconsistency. Uh, It's it's, it's coaches rolling over. It's coaches trying to get better opportunities before this period of tumult when they move over to the new conference. So with Dan Lanning effectively shunning the Alabama job, if they offered it to him, and I can't see why they wouldn't have, I got to think if you're a duck, you're feeling real warm and fuzzy tonight.
3: Rob, tell me if I'm crazy, right? I'm gonna play Rule of Alabama A.D. I like to call him third leg Greg. Alright, and we're see three names that are available right now. Kalen DeBoer, that would be my first choice. Mike Norvell would be my second choice. And then the third name I'm seeing, let me make sure. Tommy Reese. Absolutely not, right? So before I hire Tommy Reese, tell me if this is crazy, right? I'm not the biggest Dion guy. You know how I felt about Colorado. But what do you think about Dion if you surround him with smart football people? And you probably get Shador Sanders because he got 30 days, now 29 days to make that work out, an instant upgrade over Milrow. Do you think that's crazy? Because Dion could go into any living room in the South and recruit. And I know Alabama kind of re- speaks for itself, recruits for itself. But would do you rather have, like, a hype man like Dion and his son rather than Tommy Reese? Like, there's no chance Tommy Reese really gets this
1: job, right? so i have two things the first is i'm looking at my screen is scott wearing a tie to produce this show did he come in in a full suit we're going to tonight? the boom
3: boom room immediately following the show ruby <laughs> yeah. rose is in town for so we are we, so are we're, we doing here you. buddy it, late, you late have me on the tonight. show
1: there's no need for a suit pal
0: I'll DM you why, and you'll feel so bad about yourself
1: later. Okay. Yeah. I accept. Listen, the majority of my life is filled with shame and regret, so it's probably just going to be right up that alley. Um, no, listen, it, it's – if you name me coaches like DeBoer, uh, like Norvell, I will take those guys before I take Dion. I love Dion. All right, I'm a a Dion guy. I own a pair of the, the sunglasses he's hyping because consider me hashtag influenced, I'm a fan. But stability is the name of the game right now, right? Like we saw Nick Saban retire and we saw within three minutes the fact that they are hemorrhaging three and five star guys out of that recruiting class. So to me... Stability is the name of the game. If I can get a guy that is proven, forget the X's and O's, that he can just maintain a course, that he can just keep a program on the rails, give me as the Crimson Tide time to kind of figure out what the post saban era looks like, that's the thing. And if there's one thing you can say about Dion, it's that he is chaos, right? Like, it was chaos when he was at Jackson State. It was chaos when he got to Colorado. Hell, he's in it a year, and it's still chaos at Colorado. So if I can get a guy that's got experience, and he's got stability, and he can kind of just get us through the tumultuous period of the post-Nick Saban era into whatever is next, that's what I want, but... If you give me a Tommy Reese, like if Tommy Reese is the best I can do, and I think that's where this conversation splits because there's not a fiber of my being that thinks that Tommy Reese is the best that the University of Alabama can do. <laughs> right. But if it is, if the best they can do is Tommy Reese, then hell yeah, let's cannonball. Let's see what happens when we make some waves. That being said, I got to think there's a list of top-notch coaches available, or at least that will be available for Alabama should they come calling. That's why the folks at Clemson are nervous that Dabo answers the phone. It's the reason the folks in Tallahassee are nervous that Mike Norvell answers the phone because they've got the resources and they've got the clout to pretty much grab who they want. Bama fans are entitled, y'all, but it's for a reason.
0: What do you think about the rumors that have been circulating about a coach like Brian Dayball going back to Alabama and or any other NFL coach maybe going back to the college game?
1: I go back to that stability thing, right? Like, it, it is, it is one thing to bring in a coach... Who knows, Paul? I think there's I think Brian Dayball's staying in New York. I think there's a reason why. I think Mike Vrabel is going to be employed for unemployed for about 6 days. Vrabel is going to be a guy that's highly sought after. I'm in the Carolinas. I am begging every day on the radio for the Panthers to hire a guy like Mike Vrabel. I think that's the right move. The problem is not do they know Xs and Os? It's do they know college ball? It's do they know how to organize the coaching staff at the college level? Do they know how to recruit? Do they know how to schmooze boosters? Do they know how to operate hand in hand with NIL collectives? And to navigate all of the rules and regulations that the NCAA has in place with that. I, I, like I said, I think stability is the name of the game. I am looking for somebody who is already at that level, somebody who is already schmoozing boosters, already playing the NIL game, knows how to look at, view and work the portal, knows how to sit in the living room of a parent. It's a lot different in the NFL when the 52 guys ahead of you are getting paid to be there. And so you can look them in the face and go, hey, you do what I say or you don't get a paycheck versus... Having to go to Mrs. Johnson, the mom of the five-star recruit, and convince her that your baby's going to be safe with me. He's going to learn how to be a good football player and a super productive member of society, Mrs. Johnson. And I don't see guys like Daybol and Vrabel being very good at that aspect of it. So I would be looking for somebody with the college experience just because of how much chaos there's going to be trying to navigate where you go with the departure of the greatest college football coach of all time.
2: You know, Rob, I was going to ask you about Wild Card Weekend, but I wanted to circle back to the question that you posed that got no answer from us because we didn't get a chance uh, about the most prestigious job in college with it being Alabama. I don't... It is under Nick Saban, right? I don't know if it is in the eyes of a lot of these college coaches now, and I think Dan Lanning gives a good example of that because the college le- football landscape has really started to smooth itself out a little bit, where it doesn't feel like it's SEC and Alabama specifically, and then everybody's kind of underneath fighting for the recruits. The NIL deals and the transfer portal have allowed so many schools to really even the playing field. Sometimes it's just about a paycheck for these kids, but in the reality, that still exists. And on top of that, for a lot of these coaches, and we'll use Dan Landing as an example, because that seemed like that was the clear-cut guy, he would go in there and want to do it his way. But everybody would be like, but you know, look at what we did under Nick, under Saban, it worked that way. Like, why do we have to change things? Why do we have to do this? I think it goes back more than anything to being the guy that follows the guy. And if you're somebody like a Dan Lanning, who's establishing himself as maybe the Nick Saban in Oregon, why would you want to take that job? I think it might actually be a little harder than they realize to get somebody in there, because you're going to be in the shadow of a giant.
1: Oh, you for sure are. And I, I I think I said on on my show today, there are three things that Nick Saban did that made him special. The first is he taught kids how to be a winner. He coached them to be a winner, not coach them to win, right? Like a lot of coaches are going to bring a guy in. They're going to get as much talent out of that guy as they can. And then once they can't do anymore for the program, they're going to kick him. Nick Saban, I've, I've been around Alabama's program for a long time. I've got dear friends who played for Nick Saban. He teaches you how to be a winner and then send you out to win them uh, football games. The second thing that Nick Saban did was every time college football changed, he grabbed the mic and he said, is this what we want college football to be? And when America said, yes, grandpa, this is what we want to do, Nick (laughs) Saban went out there and he did it better than you, right? When the transfer portal came around, he said, is this what we want? And America said, yes. And so Saban worked the portal. When in 2011, college football started shifting to being a five-wide, wide-open offensive game. He says, is this what we want? And we all said, yes, Grandpa, it's what we want. So he started to go find <laughs> the Tua's and the Bryce's and the Jalen's and these guys, and he opened up the offense and he did it better. But the thing that he did better than anybody else was, there was one voice in that entire organization. Yeah. It was Nick's. He was the only guy. Yeah. If you wanted to change the color of your shoelaces, Nick Saban had to approve of it, and the question mark is, will Bama yeah. give the next guy that leniency? Because if they don't, then why the yeah. hell would you want to be there? Yeah. Got to roll, Rob. Rob Brown, it's MGM Tonight.
4: It's not different. <laughs> it's not.
1: Here's the thing about the NFL playoffs is, as much weight as all the things that happen during the season carry, there's narratives galore that grow out of results in the playoffs it doesn't matter it's a reset it's a there's no uh winners and losers bracket you know you're playing football and the winner gets to continue to play and the loser does not
0: it's time for more bet mgm tonight with ryan trista and nick on the betql network presented by bet mgm
2: i gotta be honest with you guys i want to smoke weed with mike mcdaniel No, he's
0: sober. Really I, know. If he
2: was, if he, I would like to change that because he's so deep and so interesting. I love him so much. Yeah. He's one of the most interesting guys. Like, he just always, he thinks differently. He says
3: stuff differently. I just, I think he's one of the most fascinating people in football. I agree. I'm a big fan of Mike McDaniel. Um, It's funny. We're watching Hard Knocks and my wife's always like, is he really like this? And <laughs> And, you know, we asked the same question tonight off the air. And I'm like, I think he is. Like, I don't think that's an act. I think that's really how he is. And I like him. He's a player's coach, man. Like, he's your hype man. The way that he talks to Tua. I li- You know what I like about him the most, though, is he calls himself out. He's like, that's a trash-ass play call by me. You know what yep. I mean? And uh, I like that, man, because most coaches don't do that. We hear about, like, Bill Belichick. Like, even when Brady was there, he'd be like, we're not going to win a game with a 38-year-old quarterback who can't complete a simple screen pass. And it's like, that's Tom Brady in his six <laughs> Super Bowl rings. So that's what you worry about, like, or you wonder with, like, guys like Bill, guys like Saban at the end is – you know, even, like, when my grandfather, like, was, like, 82 years old and came back to coach D1 baseball, like, he won, but all the players were like, get this old bag out of here. He had, like, rules where there was, like, a curfew. Oh, and, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's like the Yankees clean-cut, shave-your-beard yeah, stupidity. These dudes are making so much money now, and uh, they want to be coached by a guy like Mike McDaniel. I will say, though, like, Man, Dolphins go on a losing streak, or they don't win double-digit games next year. That gets old really fast. Well, that's what I was gonna say too.
0: Is I know that they, you know, had the chance to win the division, but they went on a cold streak sort of late in the season at home, and it was like you come in the day after a loss, and he's just giving you this raw, raw Dan Campbell, these like analogies and these Aesop fables, and you're like, you watch Jalen Ramsey's face, and it just looks like he's tuned out. A lot of the defenders look like they're not paying attention. Some of the wide receivers, like Jalen Waddle, is like, anybody know what this mf Steven is <laughs> even we saying? We've barely heard
3: from Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle hasn't said an
0: entire word on hard knocks. It must be because... Cause, and then you got a a, a Braxton Berrios storyline. That just makes me think Jalen Waddle was like, keep me effing out of this. It's
3: the Tyreek show. Yeah. Tyreek, a lot of Tua. He loves Christmas. People forget.
0: Tua loves having no shoes on, too. He wears those same gross brown slides with no socks, and it's just He likes every to be day. free, be in, in touch with He wants his them. toes out.
2: You know, there's uh, there's there's a lot of studies about the energy of the earth going through our bare feet versus like shoes, that, Trista. But yeah. he was
0: inside on concrete. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs>
2: you know, it's, it's yeah. very freeing, very freeing. You know, so yeah, Mike McDaniel. That so that type of personality works as long as you're winning. Right. If the team starts to struggle, then you're really getting the, the like, what is this guy talking about? And then you're not getting results. So you can coach whatever way you want. You can be unique. It can be weird. It can be interesting. It can be whatever anybody describes. If you're winning football games, the minute it stops, everybody's scratching their heads going, well, you're not winning. We're not getting results. And I don't know what the hell you're talking about. That's when things go off the rails. But... I mean, the guy's a brilliant football mind, clearly. And look at what he's done to this Miami offense. I mean, the question now becomes this weekend, what does that offense look like in Kansas City? I mean, we looked at it a little bit, right, in terms of, like, the props market. I really like really anything in terms of their run game this weekend because yeah. it is – look, it's going to be a rock-hard football to catch. That hurts, okay? And Tua
0: – And they're already injured, these wide receivers. Yeah.
2: So I think uh, things like uh, Devon A. Chan and Raheem Mostert, if you're looking at props, like, that's that's a- absolutely a direction to jump in and look at is those guys because if you're Mike McDaniel, you know you can run the football. You've got the weapons to be able to do it. They've done it all season, and it keeps it from receivers dropping footballs that are already injured in weather that's just going to be awful.
0: Yeah, I uh, I like the under. That was the first thing I played this whole week. I think I played it as soon as the number came out. Um, maybe it was Monday because I saw it on Monday and I had to drive back to Virginia <laughs> to do it, and I had it in my bet slip. But under 44, that's where I got it at. Is it three, 43 and a half 43
3: now? and a half, yeah. Yeah,
0: I got it at 44. First play of, of the week. That's the one I feel the best about. Um, Would I be shocked if these two offenses lit it up? No, but the weather is terrible. And really, you want, if you're Patrick Mahomes, you want to give the ball to Isaiah Pacheco. You want, if you're Mike McDaniel, to run against this run defense in the Chiefs. It's not very good. You want you have a two-headed monster, and you've been putting Mostert on ice for a couple of weeks past when he said he could come back. He said he could come back last week, but they didn't want him to Mm re-injure it against the Bills. So now he's at least healthier. So I feel like the game script really favors... You know, running in a lot of it.
3: Yeah, and I know, like the first time that they met, uh, there wasn't really a home team, right? But it was a twenty-one fourteen game. Tua couldn't really do a whole lot against that defense. And I think, like, if Miami's going to stay in this game, and I do like Miami to cover the four and a half, they're obviously going to have to run the ball. They're going to want to limit the possessions for Kansas City. So I agree. I think the under is a good look, especially with the weather. You know, I, I think the under is a really good look. They're actually. telling
0: people in Kansas City to stay home. Right. They're saying don't don't go to this game.
3: Yeah, I would be there though. I saw you better. You was be talking there. about this. I
0: know. They said I, they, they wouldn't go even if you paid them. Oh,
3: I love these cold weather games. Amanda goes. My wife goes. So, I mean, you know, I guess. What's uh, the coldest game you've ever been to as a Midwestern? It was negative 15. Was it really? It, it kicked off.
0: How do you prepare for that?
3: It was Green Bay, San Francisco. I'll never forget it. So oh, you yeah. Just,
0: Colin Kaepernick with the shirt off game?
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. Drink a lot. Um, in fact,
0: what if you don't I, drink?
3: I'll, I'll post this picture to you guys. So I, I bought a beer, right? And I'll show you guys, and then I'll put it on Twitter. And the beer immediately froze. This is three minutes after we got this beer at Lambeau Field. Uh, I'll put it up so everybody can see it. Yeah, just completely ice. And it was like $20 as well. So (laughs) you have a couple of those before you even get into the parking lot. And I wore like a snowsuit under my Jordy Nelson jersey for good luck.
0: A snowsuit's very clutch.
3: Yes. And... I got, like, the uh, hand and foot warmers. Those things, waste of money. Those yep. do not work at Lambeau Field and when not, it's not negative in that, 15 oh, degrees. Oh, yeah, no way. Yeah, but they were calling it. It was supposed to be the ice bowl part, too. Were you two.
0: warm-ish? Yeah, I was kind of warm. Were yeah. you?
3: Yeah, I was, like, sweating by the end. Do
0: you think that if you didn't drink, you would have been warm?
3: Yeah, actually, because, like, there were so many people. I was standing the entire mm-hmm. time. And, you're uh, moving around like you're not just sitting there like yeah.
0: taking See, a nap. I was in, in much warmer weather than that in Buffalo, and uh, I was miserable. I actually talked to Sal Capaccio today. He's going to be on the show tomorrow night, and he said the weather's going to be pretty bad next weekend when I try to go to the game. So I'm going to have a backup plan. The backup plan is called watching the game at a Buffalo bar and yep. eating wings.
3: yep. Let's going, yeah, yeah there it's going to be cold. Like right on the water, that stadium, oh, it's going to be cold. Lake nice. effect, yeah. I
0: think the lake effect probably makes a big, big difference.
3: Yes, just same with Chicago. And, uh, but yeah, man, like I actually like going to the cold weather games. Tickets are always cheap. You could get tickets like right on the 50 yard line for a playoff game. But I'll never forget that game. I knew the Packers were big screwed because Aaron Rodgers had the big coat on. Everybody had the big coat on. And yeah. Kaepernick comes out there. He's got no shirt on in the warm ups. And then he didn't wear sleeves. And I was like, oh. that's it. That- Packers should have won that game, though. Micah Hyde dropped the pick six. I cried literally the entire way home, like tears. My wife, that was the first time she saw me cry. We went to my aunt's funeral like two weeks before that. Never She's like, seen you didn't cry at the cry funeral. cry
0: until you see a man die. I was
3: like, yeah, but... Micah Hyde, head in his hands, and that was them. his last game as a Packer. Damn it! I mean, now that it was a Bill.
2: That yeah. game's going to be freezing cold, but then you're also going to actually have a snow game. It looks like with the the Bills, uh, Bills Steelers. Yes. Which yeah. Tristan and I were talking about this yesterday, and we came up with a uh, a parlay that involves a lot of Steelers running backs. Let's or let's put it this way: at least the Steelers ground game. I think Najee Harris and that. Yeah, I mean the what twenty six and twenty three carries the last two weeks. Yeah, he's been so good. Just yeah. been all, I mean, just they're going to keep handing him the football. Have to. It's going to be sloppy and snowy. You look at attempts for him. I mean, I think that that's a game right there where that's a game right there where something weird can happen and that decides the game. That's yeah. what makes me really nervous. And I think it's those Josh Allen turnovers in kind of a mucky, nasty whatever the snow looks like if it's a wintry mix and turns out to be that. It just has it has the like all of the the components right now for a very very sloppy. Unpredictable game. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I know that people online that video went absolutely crazy, um, when we were discussing the parlay. But people really didn't like the Najee Harris touchdown Why? and because it's plus two twenty and probably they thought that you know Steelers weren't gonna be able to score at all. But listen, mm-hmm. if the Steelers are gonna score, it's probably not throwing like to George Pickens, Pickens in like these back shoulder throws yeah. in that snow. In the in the wind as well, fifty mile an hour gusts. So if if they're going to score, it feels like a lot of Najee Harris on the goal line, right? That's kind of that kind of is how it sets up.
2: Yeah, well, if he's getting the touches that he's been getting the last couple of weeks, it's just it's
3: sort of a numbers game there yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the only way it's that he doesn't value. get the touches, even if they go down big, like two scores, three scores, that might so be really, another
0: reason that people didn't like it.
3: Yeah, but you're really going to drop Mason Rudolph back? You know what I mean? You still have to stick with the run game. Uh, And even, like, George Pickens last week, like, they showed him 15 times, and all they talked about was George Pickens. Did he even have a target? He didn't have a reception, I know, because I had him over three and a half. Absolutely nothing. I had his receptions, too, and that disappeared very quickly. I I honestly might not play this game. I already played two things, and I'll just throw it out there right now because the prices are juicy and they suck, but I think that these are can't miss, and... I, I kind of agree with you guys. Najee Harris over fifteen and a half rushing attempts. I already attempts. took it. Yep. It's minus one forty right now. I don't care. And then I went under on Jalen Warren. I love Jalen yeah, Warren, me too. but I think this is going to be a big Najee game. So I went under eight and a half carries, minus one forty-five. Najee over fifteen and a half. I might not do anything else other than hold on. Jalen Warren it's still there. has seen
0: his snaps decline every single week too. All right,
3: Josh Allen to score a touchdown. Bills to win. Plus 120 is my favorite bet. I don't need I the like Bills that. to win by margin. I also just like an anytime touchdown for Josh Allen. I think when they get in the red zone against that Steelers defense, he's going to use his legs. Doesn't it feel like too big of a number? That
2: spread is huge to me.
3: I, I, I mean, just, when the total is 35 and a half. Yeah, yeah.
2: it yeah. just doesn't make sense to me. I, there's something about it that I just don't like that makes me really uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's and Mike th- Tomlin and it.
3: But yeah. like, man, if TJ Watt's it playing in like this game. This
0: feels like a 21-10 game, though.
3: Yeah, yeah. If TJ Watt's playing in this game, then this is a huge play for me, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Because yeah. it's not even like his pass rush. T.J. Watt also grades out as their best run defender as well. Yeah. You know, that's a defense that goes from being top 10 to outside the top 20 without him. That's why I really think Josh Allen's going to use his legs a lot in so this game. So do I. I
0: like James Cook, too.
3: Yeah, James Cook, too. The only thing that scares me a little bit about the Josh Allen props, what if they do go up two scores, cold-weather game? Do you really want to run Josh Allen 10, 12, 15 times Probably in this not. game? You know what I mean? Because... You have more to play for than just beating the Steelers. Obviously, he may just
2: be... do it anyway, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Allen you know, doesn't reckless. care. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just like you know what? There's my chance. I'm gonna go run. This is how I play. I mean, he needs to
0: stay warm.
3: A
2: beer before the game. He it's could. Up.
3: He could. We used to do that at Juliet Catholic. We still went <laughs> t- 13 and 0. Bush <laughs> lights for <before laughs> kickoff. How many push lights? Just kidding,
0: He's One okay. time. You're
3: past the statue of She's not even listening. Fun. You were
0: just on the phone with Yeah, me.
3: she's going to a party, actually. My mom has, a like, a cooler life than I do.
0: She's going to start some stuff.
3: She is, though. <laughs> she, she is. There's going to be some family drama tonight. There is. At Magpies, the grand opening <laughs> of my aunt's new bar in Chicago. If you're out there... Head on over. It's going to get <laughs> wild tonight in Joliet, <laughs> Illinois, baby. 85-42 right now. Bucks
2: over the Celtics. Can the Packers upset the Cowboys this weekend? And what about what the Bucks are doing? Sparky Pfeiffer going to tell us next at BetMGM Tonight.
0: Nick, Trista, and Ryan are taking a short break. Stay tuned because there's plenty more to come on BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM.
4: Live from BetQL.